We're so glad, amen, for Brother Russ and Sister Kim Obear. We're so thankful for them. We really are. Ryland and Taylor and Zach and Asher, their children. They're like us, four and no more. We're so glad they're here in an awesome family. Uh, tomorrow night, they're going to be doing a Q&A at 6.30 with anybody interested in quizzing. Uh, and uh, anybody that wants to help coach, you want to quiz, you're a parent, how we can better the program. We're going to hear it all the way from the top. Because Brother Russ Fobert is the National Bible Quiz Coordinator. And for the whole United Pentecostal Church, he's over it all, folks. And we're glad that they are here tonight. Would you give them a hand? Aren't we glad that they're here? Amen. He has quizzed personally. He has coached. And now he's the overseer as a quiz master. And we are thankful for him. Uh, Brother Fobert, we love you. Cindy and I love you and your family very much. Over the years, we've become friends, meeting through quizzing. And uh, I couldn't have more respect for you. Your passion for God, number one, your love for your family, and your passion for the Word of God. And uh, the anointing of the Lord that I feel on you for our generation. I'm so thankful. And uh, we are privileged to have you come and preach the Word of the Lord tonight. I mean, just want him to take his time tonight. We're not going to rush the preacher. Come on, how many's going to let him just flow as he feels? Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much, Browns. My, it's so good to be with you in the house of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's, uh, let's read a scripture and pray before we're seated. Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. Ezra. It's one of those books that uh, you don't often turn to in your Bibles, isn't it? Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. It says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. As we pray tonight, what a wonderful atmosphere to be able to minister the Word of God. I'd like to title this, Learn It, Live It, and Let It Out. Learn it, live it, and let it out. Can we pray one more time tonight? God, I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful presence, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I pray, God, that it has prepared our hearts, God. Lord, this atmosphere of faith, God, in which your word can be mixed, God, so that it might profit much, Lord, to edify your church, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that I would do my utmost, Lord, to do its service, God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, bless our ears to the hearing tonight. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Bounds, for that introduction. I love and esteem you so highly and your wife and your, your kids. We have grown to love this family. Truly, you are a blessed church, 
And uh, I, I haven't had many opportunities to be here with you, but when I am, oh my goodness, I, I got to bed rather late last night, and we got up and hit the road, drove all the way from Delaware today, so I'm kind of weary. But while my flesh may be weak, my spirit is very willing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We want the Lord to continue to have his way. As we minister the word tonight, as I said, Ezra is not one of those books with which we may be especially familiar, is it? In fact, Ezra is one of those characters in the Bible. He's not like Moses or, or David or Noah, who we hear about in Sunday school since we're this high, right? And we know inside and out, backwards and forwards. Ezra? Ezra? And yet the scripture that I, I read in your hearing tonight has been one of these linchpins in my life. It's provided a touchstone for me, and perhaps you've got a, a small handful of scriptures that you return to again and again to draw strength from in your life. And Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 is one of those for me. And as Brother Bounds said, I've been involved in Bible quizzing since I was uh, a junior quizzer, and I'm blessed to continue to serve in the capacity in which I do. This verse has provided a roadmap of sorts for me and my involvement in the ministry of Bible quizzing. And so Ezra has kind of been a model for me that I've tried to pattern myself after. Just a, a quick description of Ezra, it, because we're not all that familiar with him. Ezra was a scribe priest living in Babylon during the reign of Persian king Artaxerxes I. This was during the, the captivity. And Ezra led the exiled Jews back to Jerusalem to reinstitute worship and sacrifice and to bring reform to the people, to the law, bring them back to the law, ground them once again. The temple had been rebuilt 50-plus years earlier by Zerubbabel, and yet things weren't being practiced the way they should have been according to the law. And so Ezra led the people back and reinstituted the proper offerings and adherence to the law. Ezra wrote First and Second Chronicles, the book of Ezra that bears his name. People believe he likely wrote the book of Nehemiah as he was a contemporary of Nehemiah's. And only Moses wrote more of the Old Testament than Ezra did. And by my estimation, and take that for what it's worth... <laughs> But by my estimation, Ezra is one of the most underrated characters in our Bible. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. As we've titled this tonight, Ezra first learned it, he then lived it, and then he let it out, also known as ministry. He let it out. And each element, each of these three elements must be present and in the correct order to be modeled and lived as Ezra did. 
Because I cannot live that which I have not learned. And I cannot properly let out and share with others, effectively share with others, that which I'm not convicted enough to live for myself. Because people, you will smell a fake. You may be able to fool some folks for a short period of time. But eventually, if you're not convicted enough to live it for yourself, you won't be, a, be able to share it effectively. Think of the sons of Sceva as an example. They tried to cast a devil out by saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. We, we don't know this Jesus guy for ourselves, and we're not living yet ourselves, but we want to utilize this power like some lucky rabbit's foot. We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. They could not minister with power and authority. They could not let it out because they weren't living it. And they weren't living it because they had not learned it for themselves. And just as the results were disastrous for the sons of Sceva, the man full of the devil jumped on all seven of them, beat them up, and they ran out of the house naked. God have mercy. Res disastrous results. And so if we attempt to let out that which we've not first lived or lived that which we've not first learned, then the results will be disastrous for us as well. Brother T.F. Tenney was quoted as saying some years ago that the preaching of the word, letting it out, is not the performance of a moment, but the outflow of a life. I've tried to live up to that. Ever since I heard it. The preaching of the word is not the performance of a moment. Young people, if you have a call on your life to ever fill a pulpit, remember that it is not the performance of a moment, but it is the outflow of a life. Hallelujah. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. In Jewish tradition, he was considered the equal of Moses in his knowledge of the law. He had to learn it for himself. He had to apply himself in memorizing the Torah, in learning it, studying it. It was no accident. It didn't happen by osmosis. It was almost like the words that Paul would share with his son in the faith, Timothy, so many years later, centuries later, in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And in this small scripture, Paul, allow me to unpack this a, a little bit here tonight. Paul has four assumptions in which he, he, he shares when he shares this instruction to Timothy. Number one, that applying yourself to the word won't happen accidentally and does not come naturally, right? Our flesh resists it. We don't want to. I, I remember my pastor telling us when we were young, it's like, if you have trouble falling asleep at night, read your Bible and the devil will help you. Because, because our flesh doesn't like it when we're getting into the Word. We've got to discipline ourselves. We, it does not come naturally. It requires an eager spirit and purposeful work. 
The second assumption that no one else can show you approved unto God. You have to do that for yourself. It's not a good enough that your parents believe it or that they've learned it for themselves. You have to learn it for yourself. You have to study it because they can't show you approved unto God. No matter how much they know, no matter how many Bible studies they've taught, no matter how, much, how many messages they've preached, it has to be you. You have the responsibility to do that for yourself. Number three, the absence of work, of study and application results in shame. Paul says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So that means that if we do not work, if we do not study, if we don't apply ourselves, then the result is in fact shame. When we feel bad, guilt, that's our conscience, God-given conscience trying to correct us. We do well to heed it when we feel that. Number four, that without such study and approval, that it is possible to wrongly divide the word of truth. We have so many examples in the world today. Different denominations, churches, calling themselves all sorts of different things. Because somewhere along the line, somebody just deviated just a little bit from the inerrant word of God. And they created this, their own branch of it and wrongly divided the word of truth. Bible study brings growth, but the absence of study does not leave us unchanged. It leaves us more susceptible to the profane and vain babblings against which Paul warned Timothy in the very next verse. And if we've ever lived in an age of vain and profane babblings, this is it, right? Just check your news outlet. Help us, Lord. Work requires effort and discipline, of course. People want to be dis disciples without the discipline. It doesn't work that way. It cannot happen. There is power in the spoken word. Oh, yes, there is. God created the heavens and the earth, not by wishing it, not by intending it, not by thinking about it, but by speaking them into existence. We are made in his image, and there is power in the spoken word. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. But if hearing the word was enough, Timothy could have just received Paul's letters, and that would have been enough. Paul would have no need to admonish further study from Timothy. As a child, Ezra heard the law over and over and over again. He was a Levite. His parents were Levites. They had adhered to the Shema, the Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 say, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. They couldn't go anywhere or do anything without having to repeat it over and over again. It was a lifestyle of learning. They did not compartmentalize it to an hour on a Wednesday night 
or 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. Oh, no, 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 no. It was a lifestyle of learning in and out every day, rising up and sitting down, learning, learning, learning. Jeremiah had this to say about learning the word. He said, thy words were found, and I did eat them. And that word eat there. (laughs) Now, we may think, well, it's like a little snack or something, you know. You know, just something to tide us over sometimes or, you know, uh, it's one thing I could say, well, I, I ate a bagel or I ate a whole pizza, right? We use the same word, eat. But the word eat here does not mean to snack or to nibble or to graze. No, it means to dine, to consume as if at a banquet. Think of like the, the biggest Thanksgiving turkey dinner, right? And you just stuff yourself so full. You got your stretchy pants on, right? And you're like, oh, almost to the point of like, oh, okay, I think I may have just overdone it. Oh, what's that, pumpkin pie? Hmm. That's what Jeremiah is talking about. That words were found, and I did eat them. I did consume them. I feasted upon them. Hallelujah. Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Psalms 119.11, we hear it quoted so many times. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Because learning the word of God is the best inoculation against sin. We don't wait till we've got the flu before we go get a flu shot, right? We get the flu shot in advance so we don't get the, the flu. And so it is with the word of God. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God and learning its precepts and joying and rejoicing over it as as Jeremiah did is the best inoculation that you can get against sin. Hallelujah. And so Ezra first learned, learned it. But it didn't stop there. It says that he did it. Learning the Word of God is not simply an intellectual exercise. If our study is simply about finding something new and insightful to come off as scripturally superior, oh God, help us. Knowledge alone puffeth up. The letter alone killeth. We can be educated beyond our obedience. We can learn it backwards and forwards standing on our head. But if we're not living it, what has it gained us? God help us. And to do it, the scripture says. And to do it. No exceptions. No caveats. No picking and choosing like you're the like the, the Bible is some buffet, right? You're going to the golden corral. I'll have a bit of this and a bit of that. And no, no, I'll skip. I'll have lots of fried chicken, but I'm gonna skip the broccoli and green beans. Right? That's not the word of God. We don't live in a buffet church. John tells us that the word was made flesh. It became active. It became Jesus Christ robed in flesh literally. But also now we have an opportunity for the word that we ingest, that we learn to be lived out in our lives, that we can model the life of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. Quick and powerful, alive, strong, penetrating. The word has a quickening quality to it. 
And you can't truly, by the Spirit, immerse yourself in the Word, in the Logos, in the Rhema Word of God, without feeling alive, without there being a quickening in your spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Because you see, despite its age, despite how old the Word of God is, oh, there is still such inspiration in its pages. God breathes power. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 3,500 years ago, God told Moses, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Fifteen centuries later, Paul told the church at Colossae, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hallelujah. And now some 20 centuries on, we believe it like they did in Israel 3,500 years ago. We believe it like the first century church did it. There's only one God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The mighty God in Christ. Inspiration, alive and powerful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 3,000 years since David wrote his psalms to worship, clap, shout, sing, to raise hands, to, to pray, and yet we can do that here tonight. And all of a sudden, it's not a 3,000-year-old word. No, no, no. It's brand new. It's alive in this altar. Hallelujah. That we can do the same thing as David did with that same inspiration. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. To be separated, not just from the world, but to be separated for God and unto God. Distinctly his. Hallelujah. If it was good enough for the nation of Israel then, it's still applicable. It's still alive. Holiness is still a beautiful thing in the church today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, to be separated for God. His peculiar people. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was almost 2,000 years ago when Peter stood in response to a short question. Men and brethren, what shall we do? And the answer then is the same answer that we give people today. Hallelujah. The same act of repentance that we just saw on this altar. The same baptism in Jesus' name that somebody just experienced. Hallelujah. Because the word of God is inspired. It's life-breathing. And God continues to breathe today. Hallelujah. 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 We can still live it for ourselves today. Thank you, Jesus. It's not simply a matter of mental assent or willpower that I'm going to give it my best effort. Oh, no, you're going to find your best efforts are going to fall far short. Not my righteous acts. Oh, no, for there is filthy rags. But by submitting and obeying the living, breathing word of God, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lots of versions of scriptures for the word to re- uh, this world to read. There's the King James Version, and there's a New Century Version. There's the Amplified Version. There's the New Living Translation. There's, there's the, if you want some giggles, there's the message. You know, you can even read that. How about that? You know, whatever. There's lots of versions that can be read in the world today. But the best version is the flesh and blood version. 
when they see it and read it from your life. Hallelujah. Because you've not just learned it, but you're living it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We sang tonight, King of glory, fill this place. Fill this place. Oh, God. I don't want God to just fill this place. Because unless we overflow, the world gets nothing. It's not just enough for me to be filled. It needs to overflow so the world can receive it. I can't just enjoy it for myself. I've got to learn it, live it, and let it out just as Ezra did. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. Indeed. Everybody say, indeed. See, our liberty is exemplified by our action. Indeed. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. Our freedom from sin exemplified by the grace to overcome sin. And when people see that, people see that we're living it, that we're letting it out. Because Ezra did not keep it to himself. He didn't just joy and rejoice as Jeremiah described it over learning it or living it, drawing closer to God. No, 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 no. But he let it out. He fulfilled God's purpose and calling that was upon his life to bring the nation of Israel back into alignment with the Word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jeremiah, under persecution, nobody listening to his preaching. He finally had enough. And he said, I will, make no, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. That's it, God. I've had enough. There's no way. <laughs> All this preaching and for what? I don't see revival. I don't know just how much time passes between when he said that. Because you see, for Jeremiah, he could not just learn it. And he could not just live it for himself because that word was in his heart as a burning fire shut up in his bones. Hallelujah. And he could not stay. He could not resist God. Hallelujah. He could not resist the calling on his life to pour out to others that which he had bottled up within him. He said, his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary with forbearing. God was wearing me out. Hallelujah. I will take my chance with persecution rather than fight against God is what Jeremiah was saying. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If we're truly learning, if we're truly living it, then we will be compelled to let it out. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. We'll be driven to share it. We'll be driven to fulfill that calling and the purpose that God has for us. And if I'm not letting it out, I have to ask myself, am I, am I not living it as I should? Am I not learning it as I should? Because the natural progression of learning it and living it is to let it out and to share it with a world that is so desperately in need of what we enjoy here tonight, hallelujah, of the preaching that you enjoy week after week after week. 
Oh, yes, Lord. Paul's words were not that dissimilar to Jeremiah's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. Paul said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. I have nothing to glory of. Reminds me of another Brother Tenney quote, which he said, you can either be anointed or you can be clever, but you can't be both. <laughs> that was Paul, what he's saying here. Though I preach the gospel, I've got nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. I have to do it. I have to do it. He continues, Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Woe unto me. It's not a, perhaps the most learned man in the New Testament, Paul was. It wasn't enough for him to learn it. It wasn't enough for him to simply have an, a Damascus Road experience for himself. But he had to go where God sent him to share it with others. Because woe is unto me, Paul said, if I do not preach the gospel. You don't need a license or you don't need a pulpit to preach the gospel. Because your life should be preaching it every day that you're at school, every day that you're on the job. We should be quick to share. We should be quick to encourage. We should be quick to share a scripture. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The first chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. To save them that believe. Well, I want the hearers to believe, but as a speaker, I also need to believe it. And so when there is necessity, the weight of a burden and a calling and a purpose in our lives that we do not fulfill because we are not letting it out, do we truly believe? Paul said, it's the foolishness of preaching to seem that them that believe. I believe that includes both the hearers and the speakers. Oh, yes, those who let it out. He wrote to the Ephesians that God gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That's to bring to completion, to mature and to grow and to develop the saints for the work of the ministry. The ministry there is not a who, it's a what for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so God gave the fivefold ministry, as we routinely call it, to perfect the saints. And the perfecting, the growing, the development, the maturing of the saints is so the saints can do the work of the ministry. It is not up to your pastor alone or the ministry team alone to do the work of the ministry because every one of us is a minister. Every one of us who learns it and lives it has a responsibility to let it out, to share it as God lays it on our heart to do so because the work of the ministry is our responsibility and that is how the body of Christ is going to be built up, is going to be edified, hallelujah. If the body of Christ, the church, is to grow as God designed it to grow, it is because the saints are doing the work of the ministry. 
Because we as saints recognize our responsibility, we take individual initiative, and we faithfully sustain our service to letting it out. We won't relegate it to the pastoral licensed ministry because we're all ministers called to herald. That word preaching in the New Testament simply means to herald, to herald the gospel. And so returning to Ezra chapter 7. Verse 10 begins with the word for. And I write a lot of Bible quiz questions. And as the Bible quizzers amongst us know, that sometimes the word for can be translated because. That means that Ezra chapter 7 verse 10, our initial scripture, is a reason for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. To teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Four. So this was a reason why something that preceded it happened. And so let's back up a single verse as we stand this evening. Oh Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Challenge us, God. Speak to our spirits, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I feel under the unction of the Holy Ghost to say there are those of the sound of my voice tonight. There has been more deposited within you that you are releasing that God has entrusted you with more. He's given you talents that are going unused. And God is speaking to you. He is challenging you to draw those forth from you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ezra chapter 7 and verse 9 reads that upon the first day of the first month, Ezra began to go up from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem, according to the good hand of his God upon him. Because Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra had a journey that was laid out before him. Took four months to travel from Babylon in the east to Jerusalem. And the reason that he made it was because the good hand of his God was upon him. And the good hand of his God was upon him because he had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. He was able to make the journey because he'd learned it, lived it, and let it out. I trust that you tonight, like me, otherwise you wouldn't be here. You want the good hand of your God on your life. Hallelujah. And we've got a journey that we're on from the Babylon of this world to a new Jerusalem. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our heavenly home one day. We're not going to make it in our own strength. We're not going to make it by our good intentions alone. 
We're only going to make it by the grace of God and his hand on our lives. Hallelujah. Picking us up when we fall and propping us up when we stagger a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll only make this journey with the good hand of my God on my life. I want his hand on my life. I want his hand on my wife and upon my children, on my ministry, on my church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't want to just make it by the skin of my teeth or anything. Oh, God. But it's going to happen because I follow the model that Ezra left us to follow. The good hand of God on our lives because we learn it, we live it, and we let it out. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is challenging the church tonight to step into that next stage of revival, that next phase of edification, of growth that he wants to release. It's going to take each and every one of this members of this church to let it out, hallelujah, to share it, God, to blanket Zanesville, to blanket every community surrounding Zanesville. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Learn it, yes. Live it, yes. But let it out as well. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you will receive that challenge from the Lord tonight, I invite you to this altar. Would you step forward into this altar? And by doing so, God, I commit. I commit to learning it. Perhaps I haven't been as diligent in my study as I should have been, God. God, but I'm going to dig into your word. Lord, I'm not just going to hear the, the messages that are preached, but I'm going to study it out for myself. God, it's not good enough that somebody just tells me, God, but I've got to study to show myself approved unto God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, if there's anything in my life that is not in alignment with your word, Lord, correct me. God, bring conviction. God, with the grace and the hope to change so that I can live your word that I've learned. Hallelujah. God, but I don't want to just keep it for myself. Oh, Lord, I need to share it with others. God, hallelujah. God, I want to be a part of your end time revival, Lord, by sharing it with others, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.